Hello, 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 everybody. Another happy Monday, and welcome to Common Sense Uncensored. And as always, I like to remind people that you can follow us live and rumble, and afterwards, if you're not able to make it from one to two on the Mondays that we are broadcasting, any questions or comments, you can chat with me on the board there at 701-213-0863. And before we get going today, I would like to take this moment to let everyone know that a benefit is being held for Lucas Schaefer, who was paralyzed from the chest down in an accident on Thursday at the VFW. The benefit is February 15th. I am going to have trouble talking today. I'm going to warn everybody. At the VFW in East Grand Forks. That's February 15th at the VFW in East Grand Forks from 5.30 to 9. There will be a free will offering with food and a silent auction and raffle drawings. A GoFundMe has been started and the Lucas Schaefer benefit account has been set up at First State Bank. People who want to help can either stop by or mail a check to any of the five First State Bank locations. See if you can be there on the 15th. And today... I have a guest with me, Craig Jeremick, who is running for Walsh County Commissioner. I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, the tongue's not wanting to work today. So, Craig, how are you? I'm very good. <laughs> well, you're speaking better than I am already, so that's a plus. Too much Super Bowl fun, huh? Uh, no, actually, I, I don't watch the Super Bowl. I, I'm, I'm disgusted with the NF, NFL for a variety of reasons, so... I'm afraid that all I was doing was watching old black and white monster movies. I have when I when in doubt I go to Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney, so I'm pretty boring. So, Craig, how are you doing as far as your aspirations? Because you and I met a couple of years ago. We were at a uh, GOP. I want to call it primary type of thing where we were trying to figure out if one of us could get on the ballot and break up the good old boys club. But let's start first with what your aspirations are right now. You're running for Walsh County Commission. Am I correct? That is correct. Last week, I uh, filed my papers, got my petition together, filed my papers and uh, waiting for confirmation on the petition. But I'm confident they are they're all correct. And uh, so I'll be on the ballot, the primary ballot in June for Walsh County Commissioner. Okay. Now, have you done anything like this before or politics before at all? Uh, just previously what you mentioned, I ran for uh, the House uh, legislative seat in District 20 last, well, two years two ago. Two years ago, right? Two years ago. Yeah. So before we get back to that, as long as we've both mentioned it, we're kind of dancing around it. Um, what was your experience at that primary? Because... People know that I am currently running as an independent because I have kicked the North Dakota GOP to the curb because of uh, some of what went on. And I thought it was very interesting because you won at that primary. I did. I was the first seat uh, to be voted in. And uh, so I was the endorsed candidate. Which I think surprised many of the old guards, shall we say. I I don't think uh, there were quite a few, as I will put it on the, the, the District 20 board, who were... Not amused. Uh, I think so. I think there was some surprise. Uh, as you said, I'd never had any experience in politics before. I've been involved in several boards and those type of things locally. And also with the redistricting, uh, we are on the very northern edge of the new District 20. Uh, we were in District 19. And to kind of go back in history, uh, I live at Forest River, uh, which is in Walsh County, and I wouldn't say well-known, but our name is recognized all throughout Walsh County and, and through the Grafton Park River area, which was District 19 uh, prior, and I felt comfortable running in District 19. Uh, in fact, the, the two House representatives from District 19, the old District 19, uh, sought me out and convinced me to run. I had no aspirations to run, but they, they convinced me to run. Well, then redistricting came, and for some reason, and I won't go into that perhaps, more speculation than anything, six townships in Walsh County got added to District 20. And that reaches all the way from uh, the little village of Vesleyville, which is north of me, all the way down past the Hillsborough area. So a large district and uh, two large population areas in the southern part of the district. Well, I happen to know because I was I was there and it was funny because you were the first one in and people were, you could almost hear the collective <gasps> in the room. So that was fun. And then I happened to push the vote to two or three, which 
surprised a lot of people also. Long story short, an incumbent didn't make it to the ballot. And there was a lot of uh, not well-disguised angst uh, at that happening at that meeting. And uh, it was... uh, we, we, we sort of kicked the hornet's nest, Craig. <laughs> well, uh, we intended to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we worked hard at getting people there uh, that would vote for us, because that's basically what it is, the people in the room. And I think the incumbents uh, felt comfortable and thought they would just coast in. And when we showed up with a large group, and uh, also I was told by some people I didn't know that they enjoyed my uh, my speech and my presentation and felt comfortable with me and voted for me, even though they didn't know exactly who I was. Well, and that was the same thing I was facing because, of course, I wasn't an incumbent either. I had no fancy mailers that were going out early and, and letting every people know. And and so when I, I had to stand up and do my, my thing too, and it was uh, it was very interesting because I mentioned something about men do not belong in women's locker rooms, nor do they belong in the bathroom. And a large group of people stood up and applauded, at which point the mic was was ripped away. And you're eating into her time. And and I wanted to look at her, not as much as you are. But it it was very interesting because it was fine when the others were talking that they could go longer than three minutes. I wa- cause I watched the whole procedure and I'm watching my watch. Some went five to seven and nothing was done and everything else. But those of us who weren't considered proper were being very well limited to the rules, but the other rules weren't being adhered to depending on who was backing you. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. I think, uh, you, you probably framed that correctly. Um, uh, but yet, yeah, I think it was as fair as it could be. And uh, let's just say it, the, the power of the combat is, is strong. It, al- it always it, it is. It always is. It always is. That, it is what it is. And uh, newcomer to politics, in fact, as I did uh, different ads and as I answered different questions about my, my candidacy going toward the primary, I was always labeled as the newcomer to politics. You know, what do you feel about that? Because I've been called that as well. And I feel... I guess I don't the, – the way I feel about it is, why is that supposed to be a bad thing? It's not. I wore it with a badge of pride. It was uh, – I was running for the legislator, legislative uh, to do better and, and not for personal gain or for a, a real reason. In fact, even running for county commission now, the hardest question is, so why are you running for county exactly. commission? It, it's a hard question. And, and people might look at that and say, well, you should know what you're doing. And yes, you should. And, you know, the, the answer I give is I, I wanted my community to be better. Uh, I, I think I can contribute to that, and I think I can make it better than it is today. And I don't have any specific um, policy or any specific thing because I've been in leadership roles before, and they ask you that, and you say something, well, two years from now, that issue is nothing, and there's another big issue someplace else that comes out of the blue. So, uh, but that's the hardest question. And, and that's why I ran. Uh, when I was convinced to run, uh, my wife and I sat down and said, why are we, why are we doing this? Uh, and we looked at our grandchildren. There you go. And uh, looked at their, you know, what they're going to be. Um, it's too late for us. Uh, it's too late for me. I'm going to be what I am. Uh, I'm going to go to the same church I go to. I'm going to have my views the same way. But they still have a future. And I want that future to be in North Dakota, and I want that future to be prosperous and free. I can't agree with you more, and I don't have any children. My husband and I don't have any children, but he was a wrestling coach for decades. I taught for decades, and those kids were my kids. And they're still out on my Facebook, most of them, after 20 years. And my concern is I watch them having children and, and everything else, and I'm able to comment and watch their children grow, is what is, what is their future going to be like? It's a different world uh, than when I grew up and then as my children grew up. Uh, today's world is, in a, in a nutshell, a little scary. Uh, it's a little scary uh, with the political. It's a little scary from security and, and crime. Uh, it's, and North Dakota's not isolated from that. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's something I think that, you know, people have to, we have to start to address that. We have to recognize it, that we're not as safe or we're not as, as secure as we used to be. 
so when you get on the commission, I'm just going to say you get voted in, and you take a look at the way things are, what would be one of the first things that you'd want to take a look at to maybe tweak? I'm all, you never, you never want to go in and say, I'm going to clean house, you know, because well, that's, that's the way everybody does it. But what, is, is there something that you think maybe could be done differently, better, or you think is on the horizon that people haven't seen? Well, the, the old saying is God gave you one mouth and two ears. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, you have to listen, you have to learn. Uh, but one thing I, it, I just, we have so much crime in Walsh County. And uh, one of the issues that the commission had to deal with here, and they're dealing with, I think, the best they can, it probably should have been addressed a few years ago, is a new jail. Mm-hmm. And the jail in Walsh County is in bad shape. I mean, plumbing-wise, et cetera. Uh, it's hanging on by its teeth. Uh, so they do need to do something to the jail. And that's fine. We need to do that. However, why do we need a bigger jail? Why do we need, and, you know, what, where's this crime? It's, it's drugs and other things. But why are we such a beacon for crime in Walsh County? I find it interesting because um, I was listening to the chief of police in Fargo, and they just had a new addition put on to City Hall in 2015. And what he wants now is he wants to have the people pay up $25 million to redo police headquarters. And I'm sitting there going... You just got a brand new addition. It's not that old. I know that there's a lot of division on this jail thing, and I don't think it's it's a, the case like it is in Fargo, where it's perfectly fine because you've you've stated it's not. But what do you think should be a good amount of money or or a good plan to go forward with that, where maybe there wouldn't be so much neighbor against neighbor on this? Well, they try. The, to the commission's credit, they tried. They tried to bring other counties in. Uh, Nelson County, uh, Pemina County, and tried to build a larger facility that all the counties could share because other counties are in the same situation. In fact, I think uh, Grand Forks County is even getting overloaded and running out of room and, and men, women type things, situations. Um, they tried. Uh, a number that should be used is hard to say. Uh, we got to support our people in blue, but we have to. Uh, that's a hundred, there's, there's no, not even a debate about that. We have to support our, our policemen our highway patrol, and our uh, um, emergency people. Sheriff's we have, Department, we, we have uh, everybody. AMTs, and especially because so much of where, where we are, it's volunteer. And, and the EMTs and a lot of stuff, it's volunteer. But, you know, they have trouble retaining deputies uh, in Walsh County. Is, that, is it a pay thing, or what is it? Uh, we need to somehow deter crime. I'm not saying to push it to some other county, but maybe we need to just say that we're not going to let crime grow here anymore. And what is that? What do we do? Is it uh, community watch? Is it more community involvement? Uh, we don't have too many local police anymore. Uh, really, every community, because of funding, relies on the sheriff's office to do the patrol. Our little town of Fort River gets a drive through every day. Yep. That's all they get. I understand completely because Trail County, there are times when uh, if you dialed 911, it could easily be 30 minutes before the deputy got to you, and that's not even dependent upon the weather. They're just in the other spot. My mother uh, passed in our living room, and that was a blessing. But I did my due diligence, called the sheriff's department and stuff like that, and they said, is, is there a struggle? I said, no, it, she's, she's gone. It, we're good. And he says, well, it's going to be a while. And I said, don't. Don't cause another death getting to me. Not trying to be flippant, but we're good. And it was quite a while before he was able to get to us, and then it was even longer before we could arrange for anything else. In fact, the coroner, the coroner was on vacation, and so they had the sheriff look and everything, and he goes, no, there's not a problem here. And so the coroner said, well, sign off on it. I mean, we are right. We are stretched to the limit. Yeah. And, Kathy, it's not our local judicial system no it's not it's a it's just a i guess you say it is what it is exactly nobody gets punished for crimes like they did before either no and you can see that on the news every day uh purse snatchers or whatever get away with it and our local people that are not attuned to obeying the laws look at that and say "Hmm, me too well, that's definitely the truth. But the next thing I want to do before we continue with that vein is we're going to go to Executive Properties. Take it away, Paul. 
Are you still putting off that project around the house that's been bugging you forever? Do you think you can wait until spring and call a contractor and have the work done ASAP? Well, good luck with that. Executive Properties has openings right now to get that project done. In fact, you can check out their Google reviews. Diane says Executive Properties did a roof project and remodeled a bathroom in our house. We were happy with their quality of work, and the projects were completed in a timely manner. We will use Executive Properties for our next home project. Get that project done sooner than later. Call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. And while there hasn't been much need to have them remove your snow, the weather's been so nice, they've been able to do a lot of other projects. So make sure you give Executive Properties a jingle, and they will take care of you. Okay, I tell you what, Paul, could you run that video for me right now, and then we'll get back to it because it's going to segue right nicely into the crime. Hang tight. Yep. What am I doing today? Okay, we're going to shut the doors. We'll start it all with, uh, my name is Rick Jones. I'm the Butler County Sheriff, Butler County, Ohio. Um, I just came back from a national sheriff's training in uh, D.C. Three days ago, two days ago. We were briefed by the FBI director, Ray, the director of the FBI, and several federal agencies. There's 3,300 sheriffs in the United States. The President of the United States refuses to meet with the sheriffs of the 3,300. We have a hierarchy. We have a president. We have a vice president. President of the United States refuses to meet with the sheriffs. He also refuses to meet with the police chiefs of the United States. They have a hierarchy also. He refuses to meet with them to talk about border issues or talk about crime that's going on because of the border issue. We were also told by Mr. Ray, the FBI director, that there are more red flags going off now than before 9-11, okay? When I say red flags, meaning people that are here in this country that are wanting to do harm to us. We were also explained we're in the we're bombing two countries right now. Two countries. These people do not like us before this started. There's thousands of people here from other countries, 160 different countries. They're here not to be our friends. Some of them are coming because they're wanting to come here to the best country in the world, the way we see it. Some are coming here to do harm to us. And we were told by the FBI director, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We were also told five sheriffs went to Israel five weeks after the attack. The only thing that saved the Israelis, the government, was the local police. They were outgunned, outmanned. They came over. The Palestinians did. They came over. They killed, raped. The sheriffs were there. They talked to the police. The local police are what saved that country. You can't just call, even in Israel, you can't just call the military up and they're going to be there, okay? They went house to house. Okay, you can kind of get a flavor for that. That video is about 25 minutes long. And what I would like you to do is I've got the link to that out on my my page for this so that you can watch the rest of it. But, Craig, what I wanted to ask you is, this is they're talking about the southern border, but you and I live close enough to the northern border that we both know that there's troubles there as well. Uh, last I saw, it was about a 300% increase of illegals. There are picking up people left and right, and we have our local sheriff's uh, deputies are helping the Border Patrol, and they're asking citizens to, to, to help. And later in his in his speech, his presentation, what he says is, it's going to come down to the counties. The counties are going to have to figure it out what's their job and what they're going to be able to do when, the, quite frankly, the crap hits the fan. And because you're running for county, and we just talked about the fact that there is some issues with law enforcement and stuff, how does this impact the way you feel you might be taking a look at things should you manage to get elected? Well, like I said, you have to support the, the people in blue. I mean, our sheriff's department. 
Uh, we have to support them, our local police. We have to give them every tool they can have. And this is, this is, it's, uh, it's, we all know this and uh, we all fear it. And uh, so if I do get elected to the county commission, uh, that's one thing I will make sure is that our sheriff's department and our local police department uh, have all the tools they need to address an issue if this unfortunately happens in, and it doesn't have to happen in Walsh County, it could happen in a neighboring county. As we all know, we're one big neighborhood, and it can just bleed over to the other county. The, the thing that I'm, I'm concerned about is the fact that we have been conditioned by the media and so many other things. It's not so bad rural. It's really bad in the city. That you just pick up the phone and dial 911, and you're, they swoop in and save the day. And as I just got done saying, 30 minutes for a sheriff's deputy to get to me isn't going to help me a lot, and it's not the deputy's fault so what might you be or later on in his presentation he mentions the fact about uh, there might be the need to offer some classes to train citizens a little bit better and what they can do and things and other other stuff along with the jail and everything else what do you think we as people might be able to do to keep our country and our county safe well uh that's where the second amendment comes in right and uh, then also some of the legislators uh, with the red flag laws and things like that where they want to deter the, the Second Amendment. Um, people, I think, needs, need to, to be aware and also uh, local communities uh, perhaps need to, like, neighborhood watch or what it takes or somewhat of a, an alertness. Uh, so there is a plan. I'm not saying that there's a boogeyman around the corner right now but we have tornado drills, and I haven't had a tornado in my area for a number of years. Uh, we still have tornado drills. We still have fire alertness. Uh, we have all those things, and maybe we just need to look at that and say, can we have a system in the county where maybe there's an alert system of some kind? Whether it's a phone call tree phone call, yeah. or whatever, because I see, uh, in fact, well, we have, a, we have a cabin up in Walhalla, and there were some kids that were high school kids that were taking pot shots and took out, unfortunately, some transformers that put a lot of people in the dark. And uh, they were found and uh, quite sternly taken care of because that's the way we still treat crime up there. But I'm sitting here looking at, at, at they're constantly telling us our grid is vulnerable and everything else. And I'm wondering about the fact that how easy it would be for someone to take down some cell towers, to take down some electricity grids, uh, and make sure that communications are going to be back really quickly to either landline, which very few people have anymore, or even driving over to your neighbor to make sure they're okay. Well, we, we even saw that when Texas had that ice storm and they had the power outages. We were told up here, even in this area, conserve electricity. Don't dry clothes unless you have to. Don't do this or that. That's how far this grid reaches and how impact it has. Something could happen in another state, and it will affect us here as well. You're absolutely right. Uh, so it's, it's awareness. Uh, if you see something, say something. Uh, I know personally this summer I uh, talked to some farmers in the area you talked about, north of Walhalla, had several uh, illegals running through the fields. And uh, the law enforcement there were able to round them up along Border Patrol. But it ha it's happening. It's happening. We, the northern border, I don't know the numbers that you know, but it is porous. Uh, there is, however, however we think, there is still people that get through the northern border. My cabin's basically about eight miles, a little bit more, a little bit less, from Canada. And the one statistic I happen to, to know is the uh, illegals are not families. I'm not saying families don't exist in the group, but the majority of the illegals are single men aged 18 to 24. And currently right now, the statistic that's bothering me a little bit is the fact that they're also Chinese. And that this gentleman who was just talking made the comment that there are Chinese safe houses in every state of the nation. Now, let that sink in, people, because we think we're isolated and insulated up here in North Dakota. There are Chinese safe houses for these illegals that are coming through in every state of the nation, and I don't think they're there for economic development. 
Well, if a, a Mexican refugee or a, a Guatemalan or whatever, okay, you can common sensely say, yeah, they caught a ride on a train or they walked that far. Uh, they're looking for a better life, whatever. How did the Chinese guy get here? <laughs> how, how did the, the, the African, uh, some of the countries in Africa or Iranian people uh, get here? I mean, it's a long walk. Not to mention you'd have to pick... Quite frankly, be be playing a little bit on Jesus this time because you got to got some water you got to cross as well. Couple, couple waves, yeah. And and it just concerns me so much because I also happen to know that not that long ago, uh, bless God, bless Canada and Trudeau, he was allowing the CCP, the the Communist Chinese Army, they were doing winter maneuvers in Canada a few years ago, and I can't believe that there's a whole lot of reason for that unless you were planning on. While everybody's looking south, you're planning coming north. I've got a lot of Manitoba friends. Uh, uh, Manitoba, my Manitoba friends always wish they could join North Dakota, uh, that we could become one, a country, North Dakota, South Dakota, Manitoba. We could become one country, but not possible, obviously. But uh, they're concerned, too, as well. Uh, Canada's always had a very open immigration. Uh, they need people in Canada, uh, they, they're a country, they truly are a melting pot, more so even than the U.S. Um, but there's Manitobans that are concerned as well. And uh, they, they look to the east and say, what's going on here, uh, Mr. Trudeau? And they're concerned. People have got to understand that this is going to become a local issue. Right now, I think in so many people's heads, it's so distant because it's all happening down in Texas and then they're busing him to Chicago or New York or whatever. But how long before these people have nowhere else to go but farther inland? And how are we going to be able to support that? Because it's going to, my property taxes are through the roof already. And what are we going to be able to do when these people get here and want those services? Because it's going to come down to the county and the state. And I don't know how we're going to be able to afford it either. Well, it's, uh, it's commonly known. And in fact, of just doing our, my own personal taxes and paying my own personal land taxes. And everything is up. Uh, everything is up. And uh, it's because of those type of things that you talked about. It's not uh, the basics. We all support the basics. We all support the schools. We all support the roads. We all support, as I said before, law enforcement. But then the counties are, are burdened with some of these other programs that they're either mandated to, to have or the federal government is, is pushing back on them or the state government is pushing back on them. And that's where the land taxes have to, to – or property tax has to fill in. Our state is struggling with it too as well. And uh, you cannot add as many people as we've added to this country with – without a, some sort of plan or some kind of um, just let them in and, and give them a credit card and money and away we go. It just doesn't work that way. And people are saying that they're not costing us any money, and I've actually heard that, that when they come here, you know, they, they have to find a job, and that is totally false. It, it, they are given a cell phone. They are given a, a credit card. They are given a lot of things. But then I happen to also know that their, their health plan is the VA. We have veterans that are being told they can't have procedures or their procedures are going to be postponed for months because they're processing a lot of the illegals through the Veterans Administration medical care. Uh, the, they're living rent-free in, in hotel rooms and other places. And free doesn't exist, correct? Well, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to, you know, give you my cloak or whatever. I gotta make a plug. Uh, we saw the movie Chosen. Those that have not gone to see Chosen should. It's a very good movie. But we're supposed to give you a cloak, right? Um, but then again, there is a need for that person to use that cloak in the right way. Uh, so I mean, it's as Christians, we're supposed to be giving. But and and we're blessed. We're all blessed. Uh, but there comes a point. Especially when you happen to know that the vast majority of them coming through aren't the families that we're being told that they are. I have one more. Per, I actually have two more, but this one is for Redemption Shield. And I want everybody to know that they can go to Grand Forks or GFBestSource.com at the bottom of the homepage and click on the shield. It'll take you right to Redemption Shield. And you guys are going to be able to protect yourself from those nasty waves. Take it away, Paul. 
alarming 400,000 cell towers that have gone up in the United States alone? How about the electronics that reside in every room of our homes and Wi-Fi that runs 24-7? 5G cell phones are carried in our pockets hours on end. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, palpitations, headaches, memory loss, and so much more. Redemption Shield is on the cutting edge of offering products that protect your family from electromagnetic and microwave radiation. Start protecting yourself now. Go to RedemptionShield.com and get grounded and shielded today. Use code GFBS and save 10%. RedemptionShield.com Hey, well, what that is is a great 10% discount. So remember when you go out there and take a look at their wonderful products, GFBS is the way to save some money. You know, you brought up a really interesting point. You brought up the property taxes and stuff, and I, I happen to be for the property tax incent, you know, initiative that's coming through. That doesn't mean you have to be, but I happen to be for it. And I was curious, uh, without you having to comment on it one way or the other, you may if you'd like, what are you going to do if the property tax initiative passes? And what that will do is that will freeze the money at the 2023 level of property tax payment. And rather than the people paying, that money will be provided through the state. And, and therefore, property tax as we know it for the people will disappear. And that means that the cities, the counties, and the townships are going to have to figure something out. So what do you think you might be faced with uh, if this occurs, and how do you think you might handle it? You know, I don't know if I know enough about it to really make in a comment. I, I really, uh, I'll, so the comments I make are not fact-based, perhaps, or you know, knowledge-based, I should say. If, if that initiative go, happens and property tax goes away, yes, that puts counties in, in a tough situation. Um, sales tax probably is something that is thought of. Uh, which is probably a fair tax in a way, uh, would have to look to the state. The state does have money, uh, oil money, that is continuing uh, to build, and uh, there's reserves. North Dakota's, we're very conservative. Uh, we always say the rainy day fund is called, and that might be a rainy day. Um, so I think we'll have to look to the state. Uh, there'll have to be something. Like I said, I'm not schooled well enough on it. I should be, uh, and I will be. Um, perhaps I will have to deal with it, as you said, so I, I better get myself up to speed. But uh, we will have to look at some other source of revenue because you still have to turn the lights on. The thing that bothers me so much is the fact that, as you know, being a farmer, you've got to pay the land tax and everything else. And basically what it is is you never actually own anything because at any point in time, an illness or whatever, you, you don't pay your taxes – once you pass that limit, that three-year limit, they can swoop in and sell it at auction. And they say, oh, well, you'll get any extra money after that auction. But the funny thing is, is when I've taken a look and, and done, this, done the numbers, it very rarely sells for over what those property taxes are worth. So that means you're not, quite frankly, getting, getting back what you paid for all those years. And many of those farms are family farms. Well, uh, what, one thing about property taxes is based on value. In a lot of cases, you're not selling the land, you're not selling the house, you're not selling the lot in town. It's based on the value. And as we all know, values are going up uh, for various reasons. Values of all property is going up, but it's an unrealized value because you're not selling it. At the point of sale, uh, the tax probably is a fair tax because you're actually selling the property. But... Like in our case, we have another generation farm. Uh, that's our hope, and I think that will happen. Uh, so that land is not going to exchange uh, in, a, in a monetary way. So it's, uh, but the value keeps going up. Uh, the land sells for a higher price, so then our land goes up. Uh, a house sells for a higher value, so our farmstead goes up in value, and uh, our taxes go up. There doesn't seem to be any way to control it. I can I can control my income tax by controlling my income. Correct. Uh, but when it comes to property tax, I'm left, quite frankly, just sitting out there going, 
please don't hurt me. And they have not been listening to me when I say please don't hurt me lately. Uh, it's been going up astronomically. In fact, mine was over 72% this last time. And it had gone up the, the pre- previous three years. So you can imagine I'm not happy because we, we haven't done anything. But my neighbor sold theirs. And the guy that moved in put on a huge addition. So his value hit me. And that to me is, quite frankly, nonsense. Because he did renovations and put on an addition. Suddenly mine is worth more. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I haven't haven't pounded a nail, dude. You know, it's so arbitrary and, and capricious in the way that they do this. And personally, I think a lot of the reason the valuation is going up is because the valuation of the dollar is going down. Well, yeah, we're all handling more money, uh, you know, than I'm looking back 1974. I'll tell you how old I am. I graduated from high school and there were three of us uh, that were pretty good friends. Uh, the other two were way smarter than me. That's how I got through high school. And uh, but we sat around and said, OK, what are we going to do in our lives? And we all thought, God, if I could make twenty thousand dollars, I'll be set for life. If I could earn $20,000. So what do I have to do to earn that $20,000? So I have to go to college or I have to get a decent job or I have to work hard. Um, and you couldn't even, that's a couple months today. It's interesting that you say that because when my husband and I started on our epic journey together, my goal was to just have $5,000 in the bank, <laughs> just, just $5,000 in the bank. And we, we, uh, we sit around and, and, and laugh at, at that because we go, Jesus, honey, do you remember when we looked at each other and we said, oh, my God, if we can just get $5,000 in the bank, oh, life will be so good. And today it's like you said, 5000 for for a lot of us, two months, if that's gone. Go to Chick-fil-A, go to McDonald's. If you're a family of four, it, it's it's $75. And, and the, the, the ability, and I do understand Road's got to get plowed, yada, yada. I get it. But that's why it's so important for people at the county and the township level to understand that property taxes is not, and I'm going to use a visual here, this is a piggy bank. It's our square jar. It's unconscionably full, but this is our square jar. But it's a piggy bank, okay? Uh, That is not unending. And I guess I get the feeling when I talk to a lot of people that they don't think their job is to to budget. They think their job is to make me budget. And I, I'm already doing that. And I'm not seeing a lot of that at the county level. So what do you say to that? Well, it, it, the townships are struggling, uh, too, as well. I mean, in fact, when I went around and got my petition, uh, a county officer or a township officer signed my petition. His comment was, we're broke. Uh, he said, you got to help us. We're broke. Uh, I think the county feels sometimes that they're behind the eight ball, as we all are. And it's just that the dollar just doesn't go where it used to go. And uh, part of that is, you know, inflation or devaluation of the dollar or whatever, or cost of goods. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like being a mouse on a treadmill. You're not getting anywhere. It's, it's very dis- disturbing for me, I guess, because uh, I'm not – trying to blame anyone that's not my goal in life is to is to try to hold someone hostage but i see a lot of this especially through the bureaucracy in bismarck which is where the buck is being passed and nothing is getting done because everybody wants to say it's not my fault it's not my job those of us that are sitting out here especially still hanging into the smaller towns which is where i want to live i don't somebody said well if you don't want to pay property taxes, go rent in Fargo. First of all, I'm still paying property taxes because whoever owns that building is passing on that to me, so pardon me for their inability to understand economics. But I don't want to have to move because I can't pay my property taxes. That, to me, is not the America I grew up in. Well, any elected official, uh, county, city council, county commission, legislators, all the way to the governor to even Congress, need to understand it's not their money, it's the people's money. And people work hard for their money. They save and they try to be scrutiny. When they sit around their kitchen table and say, oh, are we going to go on that vacation? Are we going to buy that car? They're, they're thinking of what they can afford. And 
We need to bring that to any type of government. It's the people's money, not the government's money. And that is something that you believe that you can bring to the county commission, that you're a businessman. You've been forced to do budgets for quite a long time because you realize that farming doesn't happen on a wing and a prayer. you gotta have a you got to have your ducks in a row. Right. I mean, it's uh, like I said, we all sit around our kitchen tables and decide what we're going to do, uh, what we're going to expend our money on or hopefully our excess money on. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, Walsh County's done well. It's a great place to live. Uh, but the cards are being dealt are difficult. And there is some things that I have been watching over the years, and I don't want to get into specifics of that, but I think I can do better in being more judicial with the dollars and the taxpayers' dollars. What would you do differently? You mentioned the jail. Would you decrease the size, uh, do more to try to bring other counties in because I happen to know that up in up in you know the Walhalla area and stuff. I believe it's Cavalier. Don't quote me on that, but I believe the Cavalier jail closed. Yeah, and and therefore they're shipping theirs. I think to Langdon and maybe some to Park River. But there there might be somebody that would be more willing if there was a little bit more negotiation. I don't know. What, how would you handle that? I think that ship has sailed. I think they they did the best they could to try to bring those other counties in. Uh, my understanding is that it's moving forward. Uh, the draft plan is being made. It's pretty much the cake is baked uh, on that on the county jail. And as I said before, it, they kind of got cornered into it. It should have probably been addressed years ago uh, because the facilities are in, in bad shape. Uh, they're on the verge of actually being closed because they weren't adequate. Um, there are some things maybe uh, that could be di- done a little bit different, but Again, um, you know, when you're on the outside looking in, it's easy to, as they say, it's always easy to swim from shore than it is in the water. Uh, so I'm not going to... Uh, I have to admit, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, they can do this. And then all of a sudden, no, you can't. But there was some discussion earlier uh, about a new courthouse in Grafton, uh, or in Walsh County, basically in Grafton. Uh, the heating and the air conditioning are poor in those uh, facilities. They have the very high ceilings like every courthouse has. And it's either too hot or too cold or, or whatever. It's a historical building. Uh, we need to keep that historical building. We need, if we're going to spend money in the, in the county uh, to fix the heating and cooling, let's do so. Let's do it correctly. And let's do it so it's for the future. Uh, but we don't need a new, brand new courthouse. Uh, we've got a, a very nice historical building that's solid, as every courthouse is. And uh, we, we can save some dollars there, I think. My husband and I have spent uh, a fair amount of time in Europe, and the, the one thing that we always noted is there are people, not just government buildings, but people living in buildings that are centuries old, yep. that have had the electricity run through different ways. They have the Wi-Fi. Everything's up to code, and everything's good, but it's several centuries old. And I, we come back here, and, and it's, it, it seems to me like there's a 30- to 40-year time limit on buildings for government. In, in across the United States at stadiums are the same thing. And then once you hit the magic number, well, we just have to tear everything down and start over. Well, I think the biggest fiasco was uh, the clinic here in town. Uh, that clinic should still be standing. They should have, you know, and they should have to be building a new one. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but I know what you mean. I've traveled Europe quite a bit in my, in my business and uh, barns and sheds and everything is brick. And uh, they're very well built. And as you said, they've been there for a long, long time. Lord's sake, people, they've gone through two world wars, and they're still there. And last time I checked, other than the Civil War, we haven't been terribly dramatic over here for that. So in Poland, they left the bullet holes and the shell round stuff in the buildings to remind people of the war. So hopefully it wouldn't happen again from their lips to God's ears. But it just amazes me the uh, the ability that we have to completely knock down things that are 30 or 40 years old on the, oh, they're just so outdated. Yeah. And the cost of the new stuff is not cheap. Not at all. I've got one last video piece of uh, piece of advertising to get through. I wish I could talk today. I just do. I wish Churchill Shoes. It's that Super Bowl in your office. <laughs> Churchill Shoes. Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SAS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. 
At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. And Churchill Shoes is having a February sales event on all SAS shoes. They are on sale, so get over there, try them on, your feet will be glad you did. Okay, so we already know that there's not enough money going around, that, that there's, there's ways that you could possibly cut corners, that if this property tax go, thing goes through, your business experience and budgeting is going to be premium. But I want to ask you, what do you think you bring that maybe somebody else might not that, that is also running against you? Well, I, I was involved in actual production agriculture for 25 years. Uh, farmed row crops as well as a hog operation. Uh, the hog operation led me to being involved in the, the National Pork Association, and I was elected national president where I served for two years. Uh, that led me to a lot of different people, a lot of different things, a lot of federal agencies. Um, I think I bring a a life experience of uh, is that I went into the, to the business in the, more into the agribusiness world after that. I think I bring a, a, a real flavor of what Walsh County agriculture, but I also bring a business aspect to it. And I think the I'm well balanced and I'm at the point in my life where I think I feel confident in, in myself and in my thoughts and I'm able to convey those and life experiences are just as good as any degree on the wall. And I, I think I can help and be common sense, uh, straightforward. Uh, people that know me know I'm as honest as I try to be. I treat my neighbors as well as I want to be treated myself. And I think I can bring that all to the commission. There's been something that's kind of rankled a bunch of people across North Dakota, and that is the state of North Dakota has just decided that it supersedes township and counties when it comes to the CO2 pipeline. Uh, they've decided that they have the right to tell you guys that this pipeline is coming through, whether you want it or not. And I have a feeling, even though we, we up here are saying, well, that doesn't affect us. Eh, not yet. But the, I, have, I have a feeling that that is the camel's nose into the tent, that there may be more ways that the the, the state is going to attempt to be telling the townships and the counties what they can and cannot do and kind of try to take away our local control. Do you see that coming down the pipeline possibly? And if so, what might you do to counter that? Well, I think you, you will see that type of thing. Uh, maybe not even in my tenure if I do get elected, but in the future. And so you always got to think of the future. I can't remember who said it right now. My mind's going blank, but government is local. And uh, I think the local governments need to say what is good for Walsh County, what isn't good for Walsh County. And we've got to be science-based. We've got to be fact-based. Uh, we can't be driven by fear. We can't be driven by untruths. Some of the things on the pipeline that I've seen, I th as you're referring to the CO2 pipeline, yes. uh, are true. Some aren't. Uh, and I think each landowner needs to make that decision on their own. And each county or each township needs to make that decision on their own. And uh, they have to extend the need to be science-based, fact-based, and uh, not emotional, and, and not fear-based. What are you going to do when the state does what the federal government does so often, which is when they don't get their way, they threaten to pull money? I don't know about that. Or I guess the next step would be you're referring to as eminent domain, uh, those type of things. Um, again, are those things real or are they actually happening? Uh, or is that just something that is being used as a tool for the opposition? I don't know. Well, let's cross that bridge if we get to it. As I said earlier, Kathy, some things that you see as an issue today uh, may not be an issue in the future, but something that you don't think is an issue could be an issue in the future. And this could be one of them. And we'll have to cross that bridge. We'll have to weigh the facts. And uh, we'll do what's right for the people of Walsh County. What do you foresee as 
If you're elected, what do you think is the, the biggest problem for Walsh County that you, you see just sitting there in front of you that you know you're going to probably have to tackle? We always can talk about economic development. Uh, we have to bring businesses uh, to the Walsh County. Uh, that'd be the, the Park River, Grafton, the other lying towns. Uh, there's in our hometown, Minto, there's, there's several couple of businesses doing very, very well. They're, they're good entrepreneurs. Um, we need to look at economic development, what brings people. That'll bring the quality of people you want in Walsh County. Maybe that is the reason that, you know, the crime won't be uh, where we have to have a new jail. Um, it's uh, that, and I think we need to talk about why we have such a drug problem in Walsh County. We are in the main run from Canada or to Canada. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, but why do we have such a drug problem in Walsh County? In Grand Forks, uh, they are doing a needle exchange program where they're getting a little bag that has 10 needles, and they had a big talk about how many needles they could have uh, at the city council. But they get that, they get rubber dams, they get condoms, they get granola bars, they get a piece of rubber that they can use to tie off their arm, they get a spoon. They literally are giving them fix kits. I'm not a heroin addict, but I've seen one on TV. Uh, quite frankly, they're getting fixed kits for free out of Health and Human Services. This is supposed to control the hepatitis C issue, but I don't know exactly what it's doing for the fentanyl issue. What would you do if something like that was proposed for Walsh County? Uh, you'd have to really take a hard look at it. What's, what's the gain of that? And just what you're saying... I can't see much of a gain for that. Um, that that is something that I think I'd really take a hard look at because the citizens that are, like I said, it's the citizens' money, and they're working darn hard for it. I don't think they want that. The fentanyl is the problem. It's coming in from China, whether it's coming from Mexico or from Canada. The amount of fentanyl that can kill you is less than that on a head of a pin. It's being laced through everything. I find it very interesting at the fact that we're, they're even discovering it's in, it's in marijuana. It's in the bags of pot that are out there, so I don't know how you're going to get away from it. But when we're looking at that and we're looking at the fact that included in these bags are vials of Narcan so that if you overdose, somebody can jab it up your nose and bring you back and stuff, is providing people with this stuff an answer a solution or part of the problem? Uh, I watched this commercial on TV about the young girl getting ready to go out and they tell her, don't forget to take your Narcan with you so you can help a friend. And I sit there and go like, is this real? Uh, that you have to, you're, you're going out for the night, a young girl, and you know you're going to be in that type of atmosphere? It just blows me away. Maybe I'm living in June Cleaver's era. I don't know. But it's just uh, um, it's part of the problem. If, you, if, you, if I had to choose A, B, or C, it's part of the problem. It's become too normalized. I grew up in the 70s. We were no, stra- too, we yeah. were no strangers to, to drugs. But I got to tell you, it's, it's disconcerting to me because back in the 70s, the ads that came on were, it's 10 o'clock, do you know where your children are? And we've gone from that to, did you take your Narcan with you, dear, so that you can bring back a friend if they happen to overdose? People, what the hell? No. Uh, pardon me, but what the hell? Yeah, it's normalizing it. It's, it's making it every day, like normalization. It's, it's very disconcerting. Dis- disturbing to me that I think a lot of it's coming down from the federal level and everything else because the excuse that was used in Grand Forks County was, well, the feds are are saying it's part of the process that we have to participate in. Uh, when When that's coming down from the feds, I believe that that is the county's ability to turn around and say, oh, hell no. Yeah. One of the fears we have going forward is uh, the government is telling us what our rights can be instead we should be telling the government what our rights are. And that's, that's one of the things I think that we're living with today is our rights and freedoms are slowly being deteriorated. I'm glad you mentioned that because in so many of the instances that I've seen, many of the meetings, uh, school board meetings especially, uh, are deteriorating to the point where they're going virtual 
so that they don't have to deal with people coming to the meeting and speak. And I'm not talking about people that come to the meeting and are disruptive, abusive or whatever, but they want their voices heard. And they're being told they have to be on the agenda. They have to be on the agenda so many days in advance that they have to limit their time to this many minutes. And while they're speaking, I, I watch people while they're speaking and the people that are on the commission are like, Oh, see, I got my phone. It's, it's very disrespectful and very bothersome to me. What would your feeling be upon the meetings of the city commission and the county commission and stuff when you're sitting there as to allowing the people their opportunity to speak? Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's one of our freedoms uh, is the, the ability. And obviously, like you said, people that are out of line or, or being violent or, or they have to be. Rude is rude. Rude is rude. <laughs> your mother will tell you that. When rude, you're rude is rude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we, if you're in a position at a county commission or a city council or state legislator, you have to listen to the people. As I said earlier, God gave us two ears and one mouth. And there's a reason you need to listen and you need to represent the people. Uh, one of the candidates that you as an independent are going against failed to do that this last legislative session. And I know there's some people in the uh, District 20 are very upset uh, with some of the things that the way they voted and uh, voted with uh, to override the, the veto, uh, specifically the one on the library books type thing. So, I mean, you're not listening to your constituents. And the county commission, there's one thing about local government. You can't hide. Uh, you, you go to the post office and you're going to get an earful um, May not get a pat on the back, but it may get a, a kick someplace else too. Uh, so one thing about I'm looking forward to in the county commission is that local feedback and that local. I hope I could be that county commissioner that everybody, uh, if they see me, they cross the street to talk to me. Uh, they, my phone will be available 100% of the time. And um, I, we made a, my wife and I have made a point to call a county commissioner if things are right. Because they always hear things are wrong. That's typical. I used to work retail. Yeah. You never have anybody come in and tell you what a great job yeah. you're doing. They're always willing to tell you when you've messed up. Well, the, the county commission uh, minutes are using that really, really small print yeah, in the back I of, the, of the newspaper. I, that's why I have to wear these. Yeah, we we go through those. And uh, there was one, he's, he's off commission now. And uh, he saw things as I saw them or we saw them. And we would call him every once in a while and say, thank you. And uh, one of his... Biggest thing is, where's the money going to come from? Uh, they'd be talking about something, and he'd say, well, how are we going to pay for this? And he made everybody stop and pause and say, well, where is the money going to come from? And so we'd, we called him occasionally and said, good job. Well, I, I want everybody to understand, Craig is the real deal. He, his, his, his words today are, are exactly the way he feels. Uh, he'll be out talking to people and looking looking for your vote on the on the primary ballot. Now, once you get past the primary, that then that gets you to the general, correct? There's two seats open, uh, two four year seats and one two year seat. Uh, I'm going to the four year seat. Okay. Uh, Representative Karen Anderson was also serving as a county commissioner, and she's uh, not seeking reelection because of her her commitment to to the house. Uh, she asked me to run in her position, and I am. Uh, so there'll be four of us going forward out of the primary to rent to the general election for those two seats. My hopes and aspirations is to be one of those four people. So June 11th, I need people to vote. And that is the hardest thing. That's what, what derailed me in my house seat in District 20 is voter turnout in the primary was poor to terrible. And people need to exercise their right to vote and get out and vote and uh, vote for me on June, on June 11th so that I can be one of those four people going forward uh, for those two seats. Well, I want to thank you for your commitment because what the one thing I don't think people actually realize is how much time this takes. Not just once you get into office, but the preview is, is very entertaining uh, because of the amount of people that you get to talk to and, and listen to. But I want to thank you once again for coming in today and letting us know. And I want to make sure people understand something. Even though this is not a partisan job, you identify yourself as a conservative, correct? I am a conservative. I'm very proud of that. Okay. Well, everybody, that was Craig 
Jeremyk, please, please, please uh, get out and vote at the primary so he can be on your j- January. Uh, what was it? Which ballot again is it? General election. General election ballot. See, tongue's not working today. I want everybody to say Craig is the guy that we need in the Welch County Commission seat. Everybody, I'm going to go home and just iron my tongue for a while. It's <laughs> Common Sense Uncensored Mondays. Bye bye. <laughs> 